Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to That Christian Geeky Couple. From Boise, Idaho, this is Adam. And Andrea Graham. And uh, we're going to go ahead and we'll start off our reviews. As always, spoilers. Spoilers. Is it time yet? Sure. Spoilers. Spoilers. Spoilers ahead. Spoilers. All right. Well, with that out of the way... Um, it's like the show's national anthem. Um, we go to The Flash and Invincible. And, uh, there are several plot points I want to take apart. The first is that Caitlin escapes from Zoom in this episode. Escapes? He let her go. Yeah, he let her go. But in one way, he let her go, but she didn't actually get away. Um, which I, I think there was a very interesting psychological angle with Caitlin throughout this episode. I mean, they have put... She has post-traumatic. Yeah, I mean, they put her through so much this season. And I, I think that they, they've really kind of put some drama. You know, is she going to turn evil? Or, you know, what is going to happen to her? And I think... There was, a you know, I think she had a very compelling story in this episode as the whole story worked out. I wonder if her powers are trauma-released and that when she suffers enough, she'll become a good Killer Frost or something. I don't know if there can be a good Killer Frost. Well, maybe like Iceman uh, from the X-Men. Told you. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is... Um, we have, uh, of course, Wally uh, still signing, showing no signs of meta powers, but uh, determined to make his life uh, make a difference, which includes. A they did give us that one teaser of showing when that um, when his dad dropped something of showing it moving in slow mo. Well, that could have that could have been teasing us, but it may have had no actual effect on him uh they like to mess with our heads on this one but he's determined to um make a difference you know even um stopping to help uh someone who's having a purse snatched and it turned out to be a metahuman because that's why zoom brought an army of metahumans to earth too meanwhile What's his name's daughter is smart enough to uh, have herself checked out to see what being hit by the particle accelerator did to her. And, and what is her dad's reaction? Uh, it's like, how oh, dare you? You're checking that again. You know, I already said you don't have uh, anything. You're fine. Why are you getting checked out after getting hit with my particle accelerator? I told you you'd be fine. You're fine. Well, I you don't trust me. 
I Dad, you kill the guy. No, no, I don't. Well, the the thing is, you know, it's like she's getting it checked out. Uh, Wally is. She's only prudent. Yeah, and she doesn't have anything going on. Wally, um, you know, is I've never even asked. You know, should I like see a doctor or something? Yeah, there probably should be a commercial, you know, if, like if there's part of, you know, particle accelerator explosion is a product, you know, see is your doctor. Is sexist of them portraying the girls being smart and the guy is being dumb? Well, it may be sexist, but it's true that in general, most guys are more reluctant about going to the doctor than women. Um, and so... It's just being true to life. And Wally's not noticing any ill effects, noticing no good effects. But I'm talking about the character arc here. And he basically, you know, the, you know, Joe has the Flash talk to Wally so he doesn't get killed. Uh, somehow thinking that Wally knew the purse snatcher was a meta. Um, and uh, it, I would say he didn't. But he, after the Flash talked to him the first time, he basically refused to talk to him again, figuring that he's Joe's son and he's going to be a hero. It's kind of, I'm kind of sitting here, you know, Wally is clearly showing signs of he's not going to stop. You're just going to need to direct this desire in a positive, healthy way. You need to te give him some positive, healthy way and the training and equipment he needs in order to be able to make a difference without getting himself killed. Yeah, but I, I do think Joe does find himself, um, you know, in a very difficult uh, situation, you know, because he's essentially, uh, Wally has been raised all of his life without Joe up until this point, so... He's, you know, I think still in a bit of an uncertain stage as how to deal with it. And you also have to remember that Iris wanted to become a police officer and Joe, you know, opposed that. And that's why she ended up becoming a reporter instead. Um, in this universe, she wanted to be a cop. Yeah, in this universe, she wanted to be a cop and Joe basically wanted to keep her safe. And... Um, and he was able to... Again, this is probably... This is more sexism. But most guys are more open to their son doing that than their daughter. Well, Joe's showing he's not sexist because he's not really open to uh, Wally doing it either. Um, and I, I think that the problem is... Maybe there's a reason... Um, is there a possible Billy that Wally has like a record or something, you know, issue in his background that would mean he would not be able to get a job with the cops? Just, you know, wanting to make sure we understand this situation. Well, I think it's possible. It's not likely to be anything other than a juvenile record, which typically shouldn't be, uh, cause problems because, you know, he wasn't in jail as his mom was dying, and he didn't, ha you know, and he had been working uh, and to help support her during this time. So, I, I don't think you know, it's possible, but not particularly plausible, other than maybe some juvenile stuff. Um, 
But I think, again, that kind of develops down an interesting path. And, of course, the title of the episode, Invincible, uh, is uh, based on the fact that Barry came back from the Speed Force with something that the, that the CW universe can't abide. And that is optimism and hopefulness. Can't have What is wrong with hope? Well, because, you see, if you're optimistic and hopeful, bad things will happen to you. If you're not optimistic and hopeful, bad things will happen to you, but it's not so bad because you're kind of expecting bad things to happen to you in the first place. Um, and he goes through the episode saying, the universe is with us. Because if you say God is with us, atheists would... Um, hit the roofs while most Christians, not as many, quite as, not as many Christians complain about New Agey garbage. Well, I don't even know if this is technically even... A the universe is with us, it's, it kind of sounds like pantheism or something like that. Well... Or at the very least, you're personifying creation, you're turning... You're talking about the universe like it's God? Well, I mean, they have done that. Um, and it's something that happens in science fiction uh, quite a bit because people, have, people and even just their own fictional universes have a need for God. But you, you can't say God or anything like that because it's horribly unscientific. So what you say instead is the universe. Uh, that could be seen last season when talking when uh, Barry talked to uh, Joe about his relationship with Iris, and Joe said, uh, you know, if the universe wants it to happen, it'll happen. Um, and that is something that he has learned from his years on the Force. And it, it's it's kind of you know it's an, an interesting uh, development, um, you know, in Doctor in Doctor Who, the idea that uh, the universe owes the Doctor, and the universe will do things, and he can even ask the universe for things at, at various times. It's some way in which you try to. Uh, you, you, you know, because it used to be, you know, even if you get old Avenger comics, people prayed. But uh, now you're kind of like, what do we have left? The universe. Even though that doesn't work. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, there's nothing remotely scientific about uh, this universe being sentient. Unless, of course, unless, of course, the scientists believe we live inside if it's a supercomputer that is sentient. And by the universe, they mean the supercomputer hosting the universe. In which case, they're still having some entity that's vaguely godlike. Well, yeah. Well, of course, we do have the Temple of the Prophets. I mean, the speed force that uh, Barry was in. And uh, the Speed Force, essentially, last week, got him to accept the death of his mother, to relax, to let go, and to be hopeful and not acting like the moment he let his guard down, catastrophe would strike. And so, this episode, he lets his guard down ever so slightly, 
and catastrophe strikes. As at the end of the episode, Zoom grabs his father and rushes back to the house in which Barry's mother was died and apparently kills um, uh, kills uh, Barry's father right before his eyes. Um, so that is the moral of the week, kids. And the writers do this because the characters can't hunt them down and shoot them. Yeah, I, you know, I, I kind of do. It, it's it's just, you know, I mean, my feeling on it, you know, and again, we not having seen the episode, um, we saw, you know, in the uh, Flash episode that ended in him rebooting the universe, we saw Cisco die, and that turned out not to stand. And he's gone back in time and prevented deaths before. So we don't know for sure if this will stand. But I think that I don't, you know, I don't like it as a viewer, and I have problems with it from a writing perspective, because the writers shouldn't be giving us whiplash. You know, just last week, he finally comes to terms with the death of his mother and makes a change of direction in his life. And, uh, you know, are, we're going to have an entirely different change of tone next week. It, it's like, you know, uh, it's your job should not be to give us whiplash. You know, there should be... Um, Whiplash is an entirely different uh, superhero world, I believe. Yes, but I'm referring to the actual, you know, emotional whiplash. And it seems like, you know... Well, that's why they shouldn't be giving us whiplash. Whiplash isn't supposed to be on the Flash. Yeah, but it also does seem like uh, CW has decided that one character on every show needs to die this at the end of the season. It's not Walking Dead. Well, it's like, okay, and we've gathered through other shows uh, that they killed Black Canary over on uh, Arrow. They killed uh, Leonard Stark on uh, Legends of Tomorrow. They did? Uh-huh. And when? They, uh, a couple weeks ago. Oh, and so it's like, Henry Allen, you're the designated dead guy for ratings week. I mean, it's like, it's, it's, it's like, it's a, it's a formula. It's like they decided every, you know, on each show, somebody has to die. It's like, okay, so we, we need a ratings gimmick. What are we going to do on Arrow? We'll kill somebody. Okay. What about Flash? Well, we'll kill somebody. And Legends of Tomorrow, we'll kill somebody. And um, it just feels, you know, really cheap. And again, I think in the case of The Flash, really a lot like emotional whiplash. And yes, I know he's Marvel Universe. Um, or as I like to call it, the better comic universe. Yes, yes. That's right. Um, and... Um, the final thing is Zoom. Just kind of reflections on him. Uh, he's a very different villain from Harrison Wells. 
Um, I mean, Wells is like all focused and social. And um, honey, I don't think you mean Harrison Wells. I know. I keep making the mistake. My apologies, fictional Harrison Wells. I know from Earth uh, too. I am Harrison Wells. He is the birthmark. Okay. Well, the thing with reverse quote unquote reverse Flash, the man in the yellow suit. Um, I think that he, you know, he was very much uh, working on a plan and was very determined and focused on it. His actions all had explanations. Uh, here we get another villain whose actions are a lot more about chaos and about evil and about uh, murder for the sake of murder. And essentially you have a villain, you go from a villain, you know, like Reverse Flash to a villain who's essentially like the Joker. And I have to say that by that standard, Zoom has not been all that impressive. Yeah. But I can tell you one thing, that if they keep uh, sticking to their formulas, in a season or two, we'll have a another Jake Garrick on this show having to tell us all the time that he is not Zolomon. Well, we might even have that at the end of the season. But the the thing that I'm getting from uh, the, the way that uh, Zoom is coming off at this point in the season is that he wants validation that given what happened to him, he's completely normal. So if he up exposes other people to trauma, they will become villains. That is very odd. I, I mean, if he was as crazy, because uh, they had they betrayed him as basically close, very close to sociopathic, if not all the way there, that type of serial killer. Uh, why should that type of person doesn't really have any their emotions are very injured I mean why would he I'm not sure he would have the capacity anymore to care what anyone else thinks and whether he's normal if they're not like him they're just inferior well I mean but that's the thing he does not need val you don't need validation for cockroaches you just to to people like that you, People who are not like them are just cockroaches to be stepped on. Right, and, and that sort of... You don't need the validation of the cockroach. And that's sort of the problem. And you don't need to turn a cockroach into you. You just need to step on them. Yeah, and that's sort of the problem is he, his motivation, for example, he expected that by uh, imprisoning Caitlin and traumatizing her, that she would join his merry band of villain of... Uh, uh, metahumans in their uh, quest to take over the earth for crime and he expects that by killing Barry's dad uh, that uh, he's that uh, he's going to turn Bill Barry into a multiple seri serial killer I mean in one way that's kind of um, pathetic uh, I mean that sort of it's a bizarre thing and I do think the challenge that Teddy Sears faced is that the way Jay Garrick was played 
in order to be believable, in order to fool them, has to be the complete opposite of Zoom. And I think he, he did a fair job with the Jay Garrick. The whole Zoom thing, though, I think is a lot more challenging uh, because you almost need two different actors for those roles. Um, particularly since he still looks the same as he did as Jay. They sometimes keep going, uh, flipping away from the things that portray him as just being a sociopathic psychopath to portraying him as a confused, oversized little boy who does not understand why his dad did what he did and keeps repeating what his dad did over and over again, trying to understand it. They sometimes portray him as being stuck and that little boy, traumatized little boy, who does not understand what has happened, so he keeps playing it out, replaying what the trauma to him over and over and over again. Because he, uh, uh, this person just needs to come to terms that sometimes things are senseless. Uh, you're never going to understand it. It's never going to make sense. That repeating it and imitating is not going to make. You're that's just not you know what I'm saying at all. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I'm not sure that really works. Well, that kind of leaves me wondering whether he needs a beatdown or a counseling session in the season finale. Um. And that's a little confused. I mean, this guy. This guy has already been through the justice system. You would think if he was just that traumatized little boy repeating this same uh, injury over and over again like that, somebody would have gotten through to him by now. Psychotherapy should have gotten made some sort of progress, and but that's not been the case. Well, um, yeah, I I definitely think that that's the question we'll certainly see it just seems to, it just strikes to me that sometimes they're just having tr trouble with evil and somebody a character just being plain evil the one thing i am trying to uh, and I, I would agree i think that they have got they got it pretty well with wells they could do this sociopathic sort of uh evil but someone who is um, just totally and completely e evil. Yeah, I think that's what they've been going for. So it's been conflicted. Uh, the one other thing I should mention before we uh, finish talking about the Flash is the idea of uh, Caitlin and um, Cisco acting as distractions by dressing up as their Earth Two counterparts. And the very convenient power surge. Yes. Um, How did they do that? I don't know. Well, it, that was the nice thing, is it did allow us to continue to explore Cisco's power. Um, but uh, the silly thing about it, of course, was, you know, Caitlin doesn't strike me as the type of girl who has the Killer Frost makeup and outfit sitting around the lab. Cisco would. <laughs> He's totally a fanboy. And if nothing else, he would know where to get it. 
But the thing is that um, that uh, Black uh, Canary's doppelganger was already a uh, Black Siren was already um, blown about to blow down the building. You know, that kind of brings up another question: whether they had this stuff or not, did they really have time to change into it? Well, maybe Barry, in addition to being a CSI, is also the fastest makeup artist alive. Um, though I don't know how makeup would look if applied at super speed. If he was really, really good at it, maybe. Again, we're learning, we're, we're plumbing new depths of the Flash's character here. Um, the fastest makeup artist alive. All right, I thought the rest of the plan played out pretty well. It's a good thing that we got rid of Zoom and the miscellaneous, uh, the gang of misfit uh, metahumans. You know, maybe they just took the strategy, cut to the scene so quickly that the reader, the uh, audience doesn't have time to notice that they didn't have time for this. Yes, that is a good strategy. Because <laughs> I don't even know if they could have got it across town in the car. Um, overall, uh, the episode has its problems, but I do like the more optimistic, cheery parts with Barry, even though it sets us up for, uh, the downer ending, um, and I did like how they got rid of, and I like the stuff with Caitlin, I like the stuff with Wally, and, um, overall, I'll give this one a rating of seven speedsters, out of 10. You know, it is really hard to emotionally manipulate me after, oh, you had an episode back that ended with the Flash appearing to be dead. I mean, that was kind of the downer of going there because it, if they do it again, it's not going to have as much impact and killing off any, or hurting anybody else, not going to have as much impact. So that kind of they're still kind of hurting from that, and considering all the issues in it, even though it was, but it was it was a pretty entertaining show. But it kind of did, as you said, it had some issues. So I think I'm going to go with the six. All right, and uh, I'll thanks so much. Now we'll turn to some book reviews. First up on my book review is uh, the Spirit and the Rocketeer. Pulp Friction. And the book is a crossover between uh, Will Eisner's The Spirit, created in the 1940s, and The Rocketeer, who was created by Dave Stevens in the 1980s, but whose story is set in the 1940s. Uh, there's an interesting tale here, as a corrupt businessman has a plot to dominate the early TV airwaves, and I think Wade, uh, Mark Wade, the writer, is trying to make a political point there, and that perhaps hurts the book. Probably the biggest thing is that uh, there are so many things when you come to the meeting of two heroes in a cross-company crossover. And there are things that are obligatory. They find each other's lairs. They express interest in the other's love interest, fueling jealousy, and this takes up a lot of space, which kind of limits the story. But the story isn't, it's uh, enjoyable, particularly if you're a fan of, the, of either of these characters. 
but it's certainly not a must read. Overall, I'll give it six either rocket packs or mask out of ten. Uh, next up is Daredevil. The Daredevil you know. And uh, it's volume of uh, the Daredevil uh, relaunch. It's actually the 10th book overall done by Mark Wade writing Daredevil. He's finished his run and I'm one book behind. And I have to admit, I'm going to hate reading the end of it because Wade's run has generally been pretty good. And uh, it continues to be so here. We get a couple of interesting stories. The first uh, involves the Stuntmaster, who was a daredevil villain who reformed back in the 1970s. And he's asking Matt Murdock's help because a new uh, stunt rider is trying to take his name. And the story has got some very interesting twists that revisit Daredevil's past. Then there's a one-shot story in which uh, Matt Murdock is concerned that Kirsten uh, McDuffie, his uh, girlfriend, is being stalked by one of his old enemies. And uh, she is insisting he not be so protective. And that... Uh, He's warned he needs to be careful since she wanted to avoid being a side character in his life. I guess that would probably be a good reason why not to be a comic book superhero's girlfriend, because that's kind of the position you end up in. So a little bit meta there, but the story's got an interesting twist. Of course, it should be said that after the first couple of uh, issues that uh, Daredevil makes a radical change in costume. He abandons uh, his costume mainly because his secret identity is already known, and he's very upfront about it. And uh, in the past, he's avoided uh, uh, hiring himself out to clients who might suffer as a result of him being Daredevil. But here he's kind of figured, you know, it could be good publicity for the company, and he's just out and out. Daredevil. He, Daredevil wears a suit. Unfortunately, this does have some consequences in the final story of the book, where Daredevil's uh, friends and their secrets, as well as uh, Matt Murdock's secrets, are compromised, leading him to a very uh, difficult choice and a team-up with the daughter of one of his arch-enemies, the Owl. It's incredibly well-written uh, well and engaging. I do have to admit that if you've never read uh, Daredevil before, uh, at least the uh, uh, with Mark Way, you're going to get a little lost in this. I'd recommend starting with the earlier series. But this is uh, enjoyable and uh, thrilling with a bit of fun. It also really does explore... Uh, Matt Murdock's uh, character. And it's been a theme ever since Mark Wade took over. Because prior to Wade taking over, Daredevil was in a case uh, of misery under prior writers like Andy Diggle and uh, Brian Michael Bendis. He didn't make it all sunshine and roses, but he did relieve it. And some of that has been Matt just choosing to take a more positive outlook but how long can that last what are the consequences of that that's what's being explored particularly as kirsten's father is giving uh, matt murdoch a uh, big book advance to write his autobiography so there's a lot to lead into the final uh, volume of uh, mark wade stories with daredevil 
this is an absolutely solid uh, series to get into and a very solid book to uh, read. I will give it a 9 Men Without Fear out of 10. Well, that's all for now. Thanks so much for listening. From Boise, Idaho, this is Adam. And Andrea Graham. Signing off. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.